0: There are studies showing that viewers retain 95% of a message when they have watched it in a video and only 10% if they've read it in a text post. And there are probably 50 more things that I could say kind of on that note. I think the most important thing to say on video and social is that social distribution was built for video.
1: Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Farlison, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams book more meetings. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world class B2B SaaS CEO, and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey.
0: Hi, my name is Pierre de Bonnier. I'm the CEO and co founder of StoryKit, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs.
1: Hi, and welcome, Peder. Thank you. Good to be here. First thing okay. first, who is Peter? Please help me get the context of how you look at yourself.
0: Okay, so I am a father of three uh, children and the CEO and co-founder for StoryKit, which is a, a B2B SaaS company that I uh, co-founded about six years ago.
1: What does your company do? It's time for the elevator pitch.
0: Okay, great. So, we take a piece of written text and turn it into video that's optimized for social media and fully compliant with a company's brand or the company's brand that is is using a story kit. And brand here is a very wide I use kind of brand in the widest terminology. So narrative and form and all of these things that that go along with the brand. So, so, So social media managers and content managers and HR professionals and marketers and all kinds of users use this to take a piece of written material like a blog post or a press release or a job ad or a white paper or a report or something similar and turn it into one or a set of videos to distribute over other types types of media predominantly social.
1: And if we stay here and talk about the big why, why did you and your co-founder founded StoryKit then? So actually we didn't
0: first found StoryKit. So in 2014, Frederick and I, and, and the third old colleague of, of ours called Robert started a media company in Sweden called Kit. And we had worked together. So I started my career in, 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 in on the kind of, I usually say on the buy side of the media equation, which is a really uh, complicated way of saying I, I bought advertising in, in FMCG. And and I did that for a long time. Eventually I, I switched to the sell side. So I started selling selling advertising and worked at a publisher with Frederick and Robert, where which was really the, the way that the free advertising financed web then worked. So we published articles and, and blog posts and, and all types of, of content. And we optimized that content predominantly for search, which was the, the dominant discovery mechanism for content online back then. And then we sold advertising on top of that content. So that was what we did. And then in 2012, so now 12 years ago, which tells you something about how extremely old I am and feel, something radical changed on the Swedish internet, which was that traffic very quickly, quicker really than any consumer pattern that I've ever seen, started moving from desktop computing to mobile. And uh, that was totally driven by this, the discovery mechanism moving from search to social media. So what really happened in 2012, which you know, feels late for a lot of people when you say it, was that Facebook had decided to become a distributor of content, uh, wider than kind of being a network of your friends. And that drove a huge amount of traffic to people who were, were producing content. but. It was very different being a publisher producing content that would work well on Facebook than producing content that would work well when someone, you know, brought up Google to do a (laughs) search. And so we became incredibly fascinated by how 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 does Facebook, which was the dominant media back then, how does this work and what is the type of content that we need to produce and what are those mechanisms that drive behavior there? And that led to us eventually starting a completely new media company in Sweden called Kit, which was totally centered around this idea of distributed content. So, how? What is a media company when you don't own the traffic, right? So, when you don't have the website, or you don't have the paper, or the broadcasting uh, license, or whatever you know it used to be. And, and so, so Kit was really the first Swedish quality publisher for the social age if you will. And to make this very very long story slightly shorter, we we had to rethink all premises of this, right? One premise was what, what was the content equation? So what type of content do you produce that really uh, thrives in the environment that is Instagram or Facebook or, you know, today TikTok or whatever? And the second question was, how do you make money from that, right? So yep. you, you don't have advertising to sell because you can't sell inventory on someone else's platform, and there's no consumer revenue. So you can't, you can't really convert to subscribers on these platforms either. So how do you make money from it? So that was kind of the second question. And the third question, which is most relevant for this conversation, was what type of technology, what type of products do journalists and other professionals in this situation need to produce to social in an optimal way, right? What kind of decision support do they need? What kind of tooling do you need for that equation? And we attacked all three of these. So we, we looked at, 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 at this problem from, from kind of through all three lenses. And if you look at that last piece, we built a ton of pretty, I, I think pretty groundbreaking product for our journalists and one part of that was a a piece of technology that turned their articles to video so it, it wasn't that simple back then but but let's let, you know let's simplify this story a little bit because one of the things that happened during the time of kit was that video became a more and more significant part of these distributed channels and we were staffed like many other media companies with write, with journalists that wrote so that was kind of That was one of the issues. And the other issue was, or issue, the other insight was that what drove performance in these channels was the quality of the content we produced. So the storytelling was as important as in any media. But, but the way that this video was presented was very different from what, you know, the market back then thought of as video. First of all, it was mute, right? So 95% of video views on social were, were played without sound. And so you had to drive the entire narrative of a story with text. Yeah. That was kind of the first thing. The second thing was that because it was text, background videos and imagery was more kind of illustrative. It was more of an illustration of the story than what actually drove the narrative forward. And so really the format that, that dominated these platforms and still do is more comparable to a traditional article than they are co- comparable to a traditional video. So we really wanted the journalists themselves to be able to do this. And so for that, part of the technology that we developed was a way to do that. This is what today StoryKit. back then it was called something completely different. And then it turned out, I think like in many startup stories that, that this particular piece of our tech stack was more relevant to our customer base, which was then a bunch of advertisers in, in, in Sweden, than uh, really anything else we sold, so all the services and like all the other <laughs> things we sold, this was really the most, the most groundbreaking part, essentially of, of, of or the most in demand part of what we, what, well, we didn't even offer it then. It was more like, how are you doing this at such frequency, and can we get in on the game kind of thing, and so in twenty eighteen. So we started selling it very 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 like mvp-ish we can talk about this but you know in a, so I, I in a very kind of hand sewn type of way and then it became very difficult to sustain both of these businesses at the same time that you know that insight came very very early i think even before i would signed the first story kit what then became story kit contract It was very evident that that running a SaaS software business and running a media business were were, were two totally different things. So in 2018, we decided to spin out the media part of the business, which was then, I mean, everything, like all of the revenue, almost all of the employees, like the entire business, essentially, we spun out, and then we kept this uh, technology part, and started selling that as software, and developing that piece of software, and and that's what eventually became StoryKit. So that that's kind of the the, the founding story of StoryKit. So we, we Frederick and I, and and then Robert who, who who left in that because he he was an editorial person really connected to content. So he also, he left when we when we split the company. But 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 Frederick and I had been working on this technology for you know four years, more yeah. than four years already. When when we actually started the the real business of so this. Yeah, so you got a longer answer there than you expected, Joseph. I'm sorry about that.
1: No, I I I love when these like when we go to the bottom with the Y, and I really understand the context. I, I love them to be many minutes, and not like boom, 20 seconds. Move on. Yeah, but I think it's important because because in effect, what
0: it means is that we built story initially. It was then called something else, but but what is today's story kit, we built initially for us. Yes. So it was a need
1: I, I was just about to it say it was that. a
0: need it was a need that we had. So we didn't solve anyone else's problem. It wasn't it wasn't like we did a huge piece of market research and we were like, okay, so here's the need and here's a niche and this is a great time and like what of these sort of grown up things to do. <laughs> uh, what we did was we, we had the problem ourselves there wasn't really a piece of technology in the market that sold what we needed to solve. So we sold it for us. Yeah. And then it turned out, and I mean, this is just, this is, this is just, this was by no means planned by us. Then it turned out that this was a problem that essentially everyone had, right? That we we were really not alone, but, the, there wasn't really a single organization that I met who haven't had the same problem, right? Where the foundational problem is that your your marketing and communication strategy has gone from being very single-channel oriented. <laughs> we do B2B events and go to Frankfurt to the big fair twice a year and sell our product, right? Which is really 30 years ago how B2B was sold, right? Or we do three, you know, when I used to work for Unilever, we did two or three TV campaigns per year. That was like the big thing, right? <laughs> and so you go from a structure like that to a situation where you're always on across a large myriad of channels demanding enormous frequency of publishing and they're all video. That's like no one's set up for that, right? There's, there, there hasn't been a single marketing or comms department in the world who have been set up for that. And so obviously you know once we'd started getting going with this it was so evident to me that like this is a huge market everyone needs this i don't i'm not having a single customer conversation without getting you know that recognition like sense of feel when you talk to the customer like they also have this problem but it wasn't really at all planned like that we just solved it for ourselves and i think in our product development ethos that's very that's very much still part of how we think about the product like we're still solving our own problems. Now we also have, you know, a thousand plus customers whose problems we continuously solve, right? right? But 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 there's this deep empathy with what is it that they're actually struggling with, right? Okay, there you have it. I,
1: I got so many data points that we with new VAM VAM Outreach, not old VAM, we're doing the right thing because now we're we're Completely building it for myself, for me, yeah. in our sales. And people love it. They're like, oh, we want that. Yeah, so, so yeah, it, it's the best way to do it. But Peter, uh, we have, we, I have many questions for you. So we need to move on to okay, something I call five quick ones. Yeah. And here you need to be quick. I will throw up a word and you should say the first sentence you think of when you hear that word. Video. For everything, for everyone. Your biggest role model? Ooh,
0: that, that's my kids, I think. That, 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 those are who I learn from the most right now. The future of marketing? The future of marketing is higher and higher frequency and more focus on volume of output and less focus on pixel perfection. Office or remote? Ooh, office for me.
1: But we do both. But if you ask me personally, office And the place and time that's the best suited for you to take important decisions. Oh, I think of decisions like
0: either they are extremely easy or they're extremely hard. So most decisions are not hard. They just need to be made. So you can have a very quick, almost like seemingly intuitive response. I make those all the time, right? And you you must as well, right? This is part of being a CEO is you just make a ton of decisions. And then there are decisions that are hard, really hard. And those, I mean, those don't belong to a particular time of day. It's just that you have to give them enough time.
1: We will come back to, because this last bullet here, this wasn't a quick one. This was. Uh, okay, for- sorry, <laughs> but
0: I, I'm not like a f- five a.m. cold baths kind of like answerer. So you, th- there's no time that's optimal for making okay, decisions. Good. That's correct.
1: Uh, yeah. So checking the answers you gave. Let's stay with video for everyone for everything anything. Yeah. Do you think text will? as people have watched it die out, and it will only in the future be videos and video with text combined everywhere? Or how, how do you no. look at uh, the, the future of communication?
0: No, I don't. I tell my customers all the time. If you can if you can say what you want to say on social media with a single image, it shouldn't be a video, right? It should obviously be an image, right? So all of these formats, have a place in storytelling. But it is obvious to me that when you look at the way that mobile content is consumed in the, you know, especially distributed so through social media, video and, and the type of video that's text-based and, and, and is very deeply appreciated by consumers. And I think it's just because of the way that that mobile consumption happens, right? It's kind of snippety in its consumption pattern. Not long periods of time are spent on it. It's often silent. You're kind of in transition on on, on public transport or, or or you know wherever you're at when you're looking at Instagram. Um, um, so it's just it's just really really well suited for these channels. So I I, I don't think it's profounder than that. It's not more profound than that.
1: Okay, regarding the future of marketing, higher and higher frequency. So you say yeah. a lot of quantity, not so yeah. much quality anymore.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a big proponent of doing bad stuff, right? I don't think anyone should be consciously doing things that aren't qualitative. But good I do stuff, think that...
1: A lot of it.
0: Yeah, but good stuff means something different. Yeah. on Facebook than it does in many kind of with many marketing departments. Right. And I do think that most, I do think that a lot of communicators and marketers underestimate frequency wide widely. Right. So if you look at the biggest accounts on any social media, they post with frequency that is just unthinkable for most organizations. Right. I think the Swedish evening tabloids I think which are the the kind of the largest accounts on social media they publish I mean if not hundreds at least like high double digits a day if you look in our industry at someone like who do you follow like do you have a like someone you follow on LinkedIn or like Stephen Bartlett is amazing okay so Stephen Bartlett I don't know but say someone like Jason Lampkin right you know Jason Lampkin yeah I, I mean he publishes if not every day at least like four or five times a week I mean it's just it's very very hard to win in these channels without significant frequency yeah. and most marketing departments are not set up for frequency they're not their organizational structure it's not kind of in their fabric to publish you know daily or multiple times a day people work on campaigns for a really long time and then you know you 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 kind of you you perfect them yes. and then they go up and down the hierarchy in the organization 50 times so that everyone agrees. And then you kind of hit publish and everyone sits around and waits for something to take off. And it's just most things just don't take off, right? You yes. can't plan marketing like that anymore. So so instead I think what you have to do is you have to set your organization up for frequency. And what that means is independent decision-making and that's getting into a building a production system that just can output a large amount of material. And, and I, you know, for all our customers, that's the biggest challenge they have. It's like, how do you marry that with brand consistency and control and like all of these things that as an organization, you care deeply about and, and, and what you really would like, right. It's just to centralize that whole process into a little unit somewhere that just owns that whole thing. But then you have, 40 markets and they all have their own accounts and they all have their specific needs and you know and then the hr department comes and they also want to do stuff and you know <laughs> you just it's just very very hard to to do if you don't set it up for something that that scales to frequency so yeah i, I think that's the that's that's a, it's a future marketing it's also what most of our clients see as their biggest challenge it's like yeah. just how will we
1: sustain all of these channels i i could stay extremely long but i have several more Me relevant too. questions so we, we we need to move on to Atula. i just i just need to address in the last thing here in the five quick ones decisions i agree with you <laughs> it, it should be the most 99.9 uh, percent should be the quick ones or 99.0 something like that. it should be the quick ones but the, the, the heavy ones, the, the big ones, do you have like some sort of procedure to take them in the right order? No. I mean, I,
0: I write a lot. So I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty, Fredericus as well, so we, we're both pretty text-heavy in the sense that if I process something, I, I often process Just it in, in written Text. text. There are a lot of memos, and that, then you can see you it know. again. And then you have okay, great. So I, I use writing a, a lot in the thinking process, but I don't have. There's no process in terms of you know these hours or these places or stuff. No, like
1: but that. that 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 was what I'm fishing for. Your process is then not taking a decision like write it down, look at it, think of it, and then yeah, good. Now it's time for an external question because in my podcast. Okay. Is- just me shooting questions. I want to lift in other people from our SaaS community. And today we are quickly joined by a person called uh, Therese Olson. And this is her question. Hi, Peter. Tess here. I know video is powerful when it comes to sales and marketing, but I would be interested to hear some concrete numbers regarding exactly how much more powerful video is than text. Thank you
0: yeah, so so we I have a full deck on this. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of stati- statistics out there, I think. People are twice as likely to share video content on social media than any other type of content. There are studies showing that viewers retain 95 percent of a message when they have watched it in a video, and only 10 percent if they've read it in a text post. And there are probably 50 more things that I could say it, kind of on that note. I think the most important thing to say on video and social, and this is kind of something that I try to hammer home with every client that I talk to, is that uh, social distribution was built for video, right? So if you look at something like Facebook, I think it's a good example. There isn't a, or LinkedIn, right? Maybe it's the same. There isn't really a functioning long-form text format on any of these channels, right? So LinkedIn has something called articles. Now I think it's called newsletters or articles, both. Facebook had something called instant articles. I don't think that product supported anymore. It, it's just clear that that consuming like long-form text narratives on these platforms doesn't really work, and so then your if you want to tell a story that's longer than a very short post you have to use a link right? right and you have to link out to something else and that's not native to the platform so they don't love links either right? right so the only native format if you want to say something more than something very short or an image is video right it's the only longer form format made for or that social distrib- that works on social distribution and so again i've said this before in the podcast right but if you can say it in like a sentence or with an image, by all means, that's what you should use. <laughs> it's just that most, most stories, right? If you want to hire someone, right? Or if you want to share a piece of news about your business, right? Most stories are just not very well told in a single sentence or with an image. And so then this is really the option. That, that's the way I look at this. And then, you know, but, but, but that said, it does perform perform better. And then the question becomes why, right? Why is video so much better in these formats, in these channels than, than text? And I think, you know, I think that's just, you know, I've mean, said this before in the podcast as well. I think that's just very intrinsically linked to the way that these channels are consumed.
1: Therese, thank you for the question and Peter for the input. Let's talk about marketing then. It seems like Whole, the whole episode is about marketing in in uh, yeah. n- n- new new lens and old lens etc. Uh, and now I'm super curious to hear about your main marketing channel. What is the channel? W- what has been the channel that the last quarter, the last year, gave you the most leads for StoryKit?
0: I I I, I think uh, organically it's search and and paid. It's it's a mix. It seems like it goes a little bit in waves. We, we do a lot of LinkedIn.
1: Organic we do and LinkedIn.
0: A both. Oh, yeah. but, but it, so, so in terms of organic, it's a lot of search, but it's a lot of social as well for us. I, I honestly can't say which of those channels have generated the most leads kind of in the last six months.
1: We, 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 we obviously do both. Can you say then which platform, which show social platform has been the best business wise, marketing wise? It's probably a combination of of you, YouTube and LinkedIn,
0: Facebook. I mean, it depends on where in the funnel as well. If you just look on leads or opportunities or, or deals closed, because uh, we get we get we get a lot of leads. From some channels that convert much worse and so on okay, and so forth. I, I mean the more consumer channels. Yeah. But it really is a mix. I wouldn't want to turn off any of the channels we're in. But but I think if if you would have to choose one kind of both paid and organic, I think LinkedIn is probably our largest channel.
1: Okay. okay. So so from starting, not saying any specific. We ended up at LinkedIn as specific. Good
0: yeah yeah i i i would say so though though i'm probably saying that more from a paid perspective than from an organic perspective but i'm also a little bit too far away from like the day-to-day tactics on our media buying to
1: be able to say this with with certainty okay talking sales then and outreach more specific because yep. I'm I'm building an outreach too I'm outreach, so yep. I want to collect yep. data points here. What's your preferred way of being contacted of a B two B salesperson in the best <laughs> possible way? What's yeah. the best possible outreach to you? Yeah, according if to you? I'm totally honest, if I'm totally honest, Please. yes,
0: it's it's referrals. So I mean, I I, I don't think I've taken a non referred meeting like it, it it's been a long time since i t- took a non referred meeting okay so, so
1: we have I, a common so ground sure I, I got the referral and the best way from there should it be linkedin should it be an email should it be a phone call yeah now no, then it, then it's just then then
0: then i think it's just an email it can be linkedin as well i i i, I mean yeah but but email is email is probably i'm probably best at email uh, if Good. you want a quick
1: answer so referral and then email yeah. and then I would assume yeah, some but- bullet in the email to get the context.
0: Yeah. But if it's cold, I think phone is probably better than email. Like I took a, I took a cold sales call today because I answer my phone, right? Yeah. Which, which is, I don't know if everyone does, but I, I do. A Fre- French uh, BDR called me of a competitor to a platform that we're using. And, you know, I, I and I, I refer her to another person in our organization I mean chances of that materializing to a meeting are very, very low. Chances of that materializing to a deal are even smaller. But I took it, right? Whereas oh. had she sent me a mail or a LinkedIn email, I she wouldn't have gotten an answer. So yes. I j I don't I, I really don't answer cold outreaches in any other channel, uh, which is maybe douchey, but but I just I just don't. And so you know I would say ref after ref inbound. So I mean all, all of, most of my purchasing journeys yeah. that don't start with a referral, start with me doing some some sort of research. Yeah. And I think with inbound, and this is going back to a question you asked me earlier in terms of which channels one should focus on or where one should be active. I really stopped thinking about attribution for inbound. So where did this lead actually yeah. derive from? because i i realized with my own behavior that so much of what i end up doing inbound is really based on some sort of awareness action being done to me a very long time ago right yeah so i do think that there's a very there's a big case to be made for for skewing budgets back to to brand building, not in the way that the communication is developed or or, or or like what type of messaging you have, but in terms of what you optimize
1: your campaigns for. So uh, I'm happy with the answer.
0: Good. And
1: Good. Uh, it's time for a topic of your choice. And now I will sip it. And the only rule here is that you, for a few minutes, will talk about whatever you are nerdy about. The floor is yours. I think
0: one interesting thing, that I cuz I only only been in software for the last 5 years of my career right so for the rest of my career I was I was in an advertising and media and let, let me ask you a question yourself so so you're in a growth business right you're, you're growing
1: yeah
0: how do you experience growth right? what's what's the
1: sensory experience of growth for you you mean growing in the company yeah it's exciting okay
0: uh, yeah, yeah. how how like what activities make it exciting n-
1: new new customers n- new new insights uh, yeah, yeah obviously the people have listened to me now have understood that i'm a curious person i i yeah. want to learn more and that's why i love growth because you can uh, increase revenue increase knowledge increase insights and just build a better product and uh, create more value I love that that's just like it's such a positive outlook
0: I think. I really love that. So 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 I I I'll, I'll get to my point. So my point and I thought about this the other day a lot is that I don't really feel growth, right? So so we've obviously grown grown Storykit from you know six or seven people to 100 people and from no customers to more than 1000 customers and you know I think if you look at this Zoomed out from the fa- last five years, it looks yeah. like this, like, like incredible j- growth journey. Yeah, it is. And so, so yeah. So I, I look, but I look at the graph and like, why didn't I feel like I didn't feel that? Like it doesn't feel like that. Uh, and the reason is that I think the reason is that once you start zooming in on the graph, right, it's not like you're experiencing this growth because our our month on month growth is our year on year growth is great our month on month growth is
1: <laughs> is
0: also being good yeah. our week on week growth i mean there are weeks when we contract right where yeah. we don't grow at all and if i look at my day to day growth right it's just it's it's decimal points right even if we would average it all out it's like a very tiny growth when you look at it from a day to day perspective and so but you work day to day right Yes. Yeah. Friday afternoon, this afternoon, you'll go home and you'll think about like, how was the week? And maybe you won a deal and that was great. And maybe you lost the deal and that was terrible. Maybe a customer churned and that was not great, but another customer bought more and that was nice. But like on average, it doesn't feel like a lot of growth, right? I mean, I looked at my week, we probably have net growth this week. I don't think, I don't, you know, it doesn't feel like that. So I do appreciate, I think, more and more like the idea of, of, of patience and 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 real and real actual long term thinking and kind of building a business. I, I don't think I think when people when when you look at a really strong growth business from outside, you, you kind of imagine it as this like
1: Hyper-growth constant, all the time, yeah. buzzing like yeah. <laughs> hyper
0: growth kind of thing. And, and so yeah so I, and this
1: was the, that was the something at least the topic of my choice I, I, I really like the thoughts I started to think of and uh, the very last question then and now you're talking to yourself, your younger self if you give yeah. yourself the top one, two, three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know what would that be? So uh, the first
0: is don't start a company unless you absolutely have to and I, I think I absolutely had to so I I wouldn't have been able to follow that advice but it's an advice that I would give anyone in their kind of start of their career right starting a company really should be the last last thing last resort thing on your list so that that that's kind of the first one and the second one is is either build product if if you start a software company either build product sell product or work on people those are really the three activities that you know you should be performing in the software business. Everything else more or less is a distraction.
1: So yeah, those are the two. Good. And with these words, I'm quickly shifting the focus to you as been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got value here from Peder, don't be selfish. Tell a friend, share it, tell a colleague to listen to Peder and B2B SaaS CEOs. And thing number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Peter, a huge thank you for putting aside a bit more than 30 minutes to get it with me to help the Sauce community to keep on learning. Thank you, Joseph.